Hey, this is Homer Hargrove. I'm the pastor of Grape Top Church, and this is our podcast. I want to thank you for connecting with our family today, and I hope this message inspires you and that it makes a difference in your life. Enjoy the message. So as we get into today's message, we're going to talk about life at a pause, and I want to read you all this, uh, these verses in Romans. Romans chapter 8, verse 18 through 25. It says, Yet... What we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. Against its will, all creation was subjected to God's curse. But with eager hope, the creation looks forward to the day when it will join God's children in glorious freedom from death and decay. For we know that all creation has been groaning as in the pains of childbirth, right up to the present time. And we believers also groan, even though we have the Holy Spirit within us as a foretaste of future glory. For we long for our bodies to be released from sin and suffering. We too wait with eager hope for the day when God will give us our full rights as his adopted children, including the new bodies he has promised to us. We were given this hope when we were saved, and if we already have something, we don't, need, uh, we don't need to hope for it. But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. I want you guys to say patiently. patiently. Yeah, there we go. Patiently. And today, as we talk about this idea of life at a pause, I, I want you to step back from the idea of eternity that we've been looking at. And... So often we're in church, we're talking about the end. We're talking about heaven, hell, eternity. And it's almost like we get so heavenly minded in church, we become no earthly good. It's like we, we've, it's, it's one thing to hear about hope and expectation and heaven and all that. But when you feel like you're at that spot where you're just waiting in this world, y'all know what I'm talking about? And it's almost like we, we, everyone is going through this season of, of just waiting. And it makes me think about how God often uses foreshadowing in the Bible. Even with Moses, he was a foreshadowing of Jesus. That all the way back to Abraham with his two sons. He first had Ishmael and then Isaac. He, and it was a foreshadowing of the, being saved by the law and being saved by grace. It was, all, it was all so prophetic and so much more in depth than uh, meets the eye. And it makes me think about Israel. When God called Israel out of Egypt, he said that I'm taking you to a promised land. And you're going to enter into this promised land and you're going to have rest. And this, this time that they're, they're exiting Egypt and going into their life's purpose, there's a point where God had them wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. I mean, think about that for a moment. When I read 40 years, I just think like, okay, I go to the next sentence. But when you really like get in depth of 40 years, 40 years that they were wandering in the desert. And we see that even when God calls Israel out of Egypt, Egypt is a representation of our old lifestyle of sin. Now God calls us out of that to enter this new life in him. 
And this, this period that we're waiting and wandering, I want you to think about what that's like. And I feel like everybody in this room has been at life at some point where you're just waiting and wandering. It's like you, you know where you want to go. You have a vision for your life. You have this idea for your future, but you, you don't necessarily know how you're going to get there. You're just waiting for it to plan out. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And with Israel, they, they have this, this promise that they're trying to get to. But in the meantime, instead of having a country that they can call their own, instead of having houses and homes, they're living in tents. And it says that even as they're in the desert, in the wilderness, that God is giving them what's called manna. He's, he's raining down manna from heaven. What that was is like almost like a bread-like substance that would settle on all the ground like dew. And God told the people that you can go out in the mornings and gather the manna and that's what you'll eat for the day. But only gather enough to, for what you need. And those who try to gather extra for the next day, it would turn into mold. It, it would fester and they wouldn't be able to keep it. But they would, ha- they would be able to have it just for that day and God would supply their needs. And I want you to think about what that's like. At first glance, it's like, well, God is providing all the needs for the day. Isn't that great? How many of you guys know how insecure it feels to live paycheck to paycheck? <laughs> how horrible it feels. And you're always wondering like, man, if one thing goes wrong, I don't know how I'm going to do it. And it is so stressful thinking about your future when you can't save for it, when you can't prepare for it. And see, that's what like this waiting and wandering time is like. You're trying everything you can do to make it work. But at the end of the day, after everything, it feels like you just have enough still. Perhaps maybe this season that we go through of waiting and wandering is actually a season that God is putting us through. And at first glance, it makes us a little bitter against God, right? Like, God, why? why? Why can't I just get out of this? But it says that God was preparing Israel this whole time for 40 years. Now, look, I'm not trying to tell anyone here that's going to be 40 years for you to have a breakthrough in your life or something. But it was some time elapsed and he prepared Israel. And he, he purged them from all the, the doubts and confusion. But isn't that, isn't that what happens when we're in that waiting period is time multiplies our doubts. Time multiplies our doubts, our fears, our anger, all of our emotions. And if you're wanting a, a better, clearer analogy, if you text your spouse or your kid, somebody, and you're waiting for a response... Does time not make those emotions come up so much more? You're just a little irritated that they left without telling you. You text them. 30 minutes go by. An hour. And every, it's like after a certain point, every minute, every hour that has elapsed, you're like, oh no. They are going to get it whenever they text back. They better have some good reason. And all those emotions just in that little bit of time came up. See, that's what it's like for our lives when we have a hope and time is elapsed. All of those doubts and insecurities rise to the top. 
What's so difficult about this waiting and wandering is that you can never just settle and grow. You just can't settle, you can't grow. And you start thinking of all those what if scenarios. Man, what if I just never would have moved here? Man, what if I just married that other person? (laughs) What if I would have done this? What if I would have done that? What if we would have waited longer to have kids? What if I would have gone to college? What if I would have taken that job opportunity? What if, what if, what if? And we just get so crazy in our minds because of how difficult it is just waiting. Just waiting. Just waiting. Let me read you all another verse in Deuteronomy Chapter 2, verse 1 through 3, and then I'm going to read y'all verse 7. It says, Then we turned around and headed back across the wilderness towards the Red Sea, just as the Lord had instructed me. And we wandered around the region of Mount Seir for a long time. Then at last, the Lord said to me, You've been wandering around in this hill country long enough. Turn to the north. Jumping down to verse 7 says, For the Lord your God has blessed you in everything you have done. He's watched over your every step through this great wilderness during these 40 years. The Lord your God has been with you and you have lacked nothing. When we look back at this waiting and this wandering, as stressful as as it is, we made it here today. Did we not? We made it to today. And how many times have you thought at the end of the day, I don't know how I'm going to make it to tomorrow. (laughs) I don't know how I'm going to make it to next week. And we build up the scenario so much more in our heads. And after everything happens, everything that we've been through before, we still made it to the next day. It makes me think of babies. You know, there's this thing with babies that like you're supposed to do tummy time. Mm -hmm. Tummy time is for them to build up their strength. You lay them on their tummies. Some kids hate it. I've heard of stories of the kids that are okay with it. Our girls, not so much. They're usually just super mad the whole time. But what's supposed to happen is they're supposed to practice lifting their head so that they can strengthen themselves. And they're just having to wait on their tummy long enough to where they're not going anywhere. They're just strengthening themselves right where they're at. Just waiting and strengthening. And I imagine sometimes I like to be creative in my mind. And I imagine that this baby is probably thinking, how much longer am I going to be here? How much longer am I going to have to put up with this? I don't like being on my tummy. I'm tired of it. I'm sick of it. My parents don't understand. I'm tired of being here. I want to get out. And if you've ever... Seeing this going on, eventually a baby starts to try to roll over, tries to roll over. And for your first kid, you're usually like a psychopath with your kids. Like the first one, you're like, oh, my God, what if they never roll over? (laughs) And my wife, she was concerned for our first baby, like she's not rolling over. She doesn't like tummy time. What are we going to do? And one, one person gave her great advice and, and told her, well, you know what? I've never met an adult that couldn't roll over. <laughs> Seems like they all were able to do it. And I feel like as funny as that scenario is, that's kind of what it's like in our lives. 
is that at the end of the day, we're going to make it through this. But we just that that waiting is just so agonizing. It makes us doubt and feel like we're not going to make it through. Y'all dig what I'm saying? That waiting and wandering is the hardest part. But it's 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 doing something in us. Why would God want us to wait? That, what, do you think that God doesn't like you or something? I know that I think that all the time. But we know that those are just our, our own thoughts and that they're not that, that's not true. That God loves you more than any other person could ever love you. And so if he's wanting us to wait, it must have some sort of purpose, right? There has to be something to it. And I think that it's so hard to just trust God that there's a reason that we're waiting. There's a reason that we're wandering. There's something behind this that we can't see. And that this has to be our best interest. Let's talk about some tests and trials. Anyone that love taking tests? That love taking tests? No one here? No nerds here? See, growth happens during the period of waiting. You know, even in working out and exercising, trying to build strength, trying to build muscle, that there's a, there's a period of where you're working and then there's a period of resting. And that if you do not wait in between workouts, even though you're trying to grow something, you deteriorate it instead. And perhaps... This is imagery of how God made a pattern in the world of how things grow. That in order to grow, there has to be times of waiting. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And at the end of the day, we can't know what we don't know. I think that everybody here has ideas of why they're waiting for something. But usually the next day that we're still waiting, we throw that idea out that was positive and then we go into like, this is just BS. This is just, this is just messed up. And then we go back to being positive and then when we wait another week, okay, I'm negative again. And we can be so flippant in our emotions. I, I started an old job of mine in sales uh, this, this last month and I entered this uh, going back into sales with super positivity. And I was like, I'm going to go out. And I was grinding. I was going out and, and knocking on. I was having to do cold calling, knocking on people's doors. And I was doing my best. Every day I was trying to end positive. And it is so funny because I ended up getting three sales the first week I went out. And that's good. That's good for the line of work I was doing. But... Those three sales, all, all three of them failed credit, <laughs> which meant that it was not a sale. <laughs> I sold them, but they, they couldn't qualify for it. And the, uh, in the year that I did it before, I think out of the whole year, I probably had three or four credit fails like that. And this first week that I was back, I had all three in one week, right after another. And even still, I tried to be positive, and I was like, man, I'm going to... Because that's how we are. Like, we need to be positive. We need to be positive when we just wait. And then, there, out of one of them, I was able to sell, and I was told this should be about like 200 bucks you should make off of this sale, even though that they failed credit. I was like, all right, well, at least I'll pay for my gas, right? 
And then the other night, I got an email for the final payment confirmation, and it said I owed $3 for the deal. <laughs> that was a negative in my commission. And I did what any rational Christian would do. I texted my wife uh, how angry I was. I, I alluded to different cuss words I would want to say if I were to cuss like that. <laughs> and I was so upset and angry and I just kind of ended the conversation with saying, I'm done. Anyone here been done before? And it's almost like that's what happens when we take a normal test, right? I'm done. Here you go. I'm done. And these, these tests and trials that we go through, it, it does a work on our heart every single time. It does a work on our heart every single time. And we, we really don't know until we enter that future place. When me and my wife first moved to San Antonio to start the church, this church, man, I thought I knew what I was doing that first year. After all the tests and trials of the last two years, I'm looking back and I'm thinking, man, I had no idea what I didn't know. I was so much less prepared than I realized. And even though it was so painful doing all these tests and trials during this time of waiting, this, this time of wondering and wandering, I look back and I'm like, man, I'm so much better prepared and equipped now that I went through all that. At the time, though, I was like punching my fridge. I was, <laughs> I was losing my cookies all over the place. But see, once we make it through, we're like, oh, it's not that bad. We made it. It happened. Last, last story, because I just feel like it's meaningful. When me and my wife were waiting to have our, our babies, we were trying for three years to have our daughter Joy. Three years. And, and there were so many times there was all those doubts, all those fears, the pain, and we're just waiting. And now that we have our daughter Joy, the next one came like right after. We thought, well, surely it took three years for the first one. The second one will probably take a little bit of time right away. It's like, golly. And now that we have our babies, it, it seems like the time that elapsed was nothing at all. The pain that we experienced through all those testing and trials seems not at all. In fact, there might be some days like, man, maybe we should have waited a little bit longer. <laughs> golly, I think this was kind of premature. <laughs> and... That, that is what life is like sometimes. We should always be looking for room to grow in those times of waiting, in those times of testings and trials. Because if we're not growing, we're most likely losing something. If we're not growing, we're losing something. And I, I really do believe that sometimes when we do not receive what we're waiting for, that there's something that we need to learn first. That God just might be holding it back and just waiting for us to catch something before he releases what we, we know is ours. Y'all dig what I'm saying? It makes me think of a teenager with their first car. What happens when a teenager, when they first get their license and get their own car? Y'all know what happens? 90% of the time, uh, speeding, ticket? speeding ticket, that's a good one. 
Wreck. Thank you. <laughs> they usually wreck their first car. It, anyone here wreck their first car? Oh, y'all are all good drivers. Okay. <laughs> Thank you guys for being honest in the back. <laughs> usually the first car gets wrecked, bumped, ticketed. Something happens because what, what the truth is, is even though they were given the responsibility, they just weren't yet ready for it. Y'all dig what I'm saying? And we do that so many times in life where we get a privilege, we get something, and we ruin it as soon as we get it. Y'all feel me? And it, the truth is we just didn't know how to appreciate how good that privilege really was. We didn't know how to take care of it the way it should have been taken care of. Let me read you all this verse in James chapter 1, verse 2 through 4. It says, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a chance to grow. So let it grow. For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Think about all the things you need right now. What this verse is really telling us is that there's more faith for us to endure. There's more testings for us to endure. The moment that we start thinking like, man, I really need this. I really need that. It just shows that there's some lack in our faith that needs more endurance. Y'all feel me? And I'll be the first one to say that I have a long list of needs. <laughs> if God was Santa Claus, I'll be a good boy all year, just in hopes that that list would be fulfilled. But it shows us that there's so much for our faith to develop. Because all those things that we worry about shows that we have those doubts against God, our Heavenly Father. You know, for me... I think tithing is one of the, the most extreme, uh, simplest ways of my faith being tested. And before we moved to San Antonio, I've never really had a problem with tithing. There's never a moment where I was like, oh, I could do this or that. But when we moved here, complete change in our finances. I didn't have a comfortable job anymore. Everything changed. And I remember the first time was last year where... I had to decide, do I want to tithe this money or do I want to make a car payment? And rationally, in my logical mind, I was like, well, God would want me to be honorable with my, my bank and pay my car payment. But I was like, but the spiritual side of me was just turned. Say, man, I thought you said this, me talking to me, my subconscious saying, I thought you said tithing was the best representation of your trust with God. And I was like, shut up, you. You don't know me. You think you know me, but you don't know me. To myself. <laughs> and I ended up giving in to my spiritual side reluctantly. And I, I'm pretty sure I, I ended up tithing that money with tears in my eyes. And that night, I went to some, uh, a high school club uh, that I was volunteering at and some random high school kid comes up to me after service uh, and says, hey, God really put this on my heart and I want to give you this. And it was legit the amount that I just tithed. 
And I, now look, I felt almost like uncomfortable. <laughs> the fact that this high school kid was offering to give me a donation and I was so willing to take it. <laughs> There's part of me that was like, man, I think that this might be borderline unethical. <laughs> but he's, he told me, please take it because then I could feel peace from God. I, I just feel like I need to give you this. I, and don't, don't take that opportunity for peace for me. And it, that happened so long ago. And it's like, all right, this, God, I'm all in now. I'm not going to doubt that anymore. And just a couple months ago, the opportunity happened again. It's where I was like, man, I could do this. But and isn't that funny how just the simple thing of time can make us forget things that we already learned? Mm-hmm. That time can make us so quickly forget how we first fell in love. How, how, why we first became a Christian. How many times in a marriage do you forget what it was like when you first met each other, when y'all were dating? And the only thing that changed was time. Y'all take what I'm saying? And I, I want us to, to end on this note, this idea of redemption and rest. In Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9 through 10, it says, So there is a special rest still waiting for the people of God. For all who have entered into God's rest have rested from their labors, just as God did after creating the world. Talking about the seventh day, God rested. Now, in this specific context, the Bible is talking about the rest being in heaven, the final rest. But like I told you at the beginning, everything is foreshadowed in this world to eternity. And God shows us so many times, so often throughout the Bible, with with history, with different people of the Bible, that we go through these painful labors of testings and trials and waiting, and then it seems like at the end, it was all worth it. There's this big redemption story, and finally you're able to rest in the vision God gave you at the beginning. Think about... There's a story of Joseph in the Old Testament. At the very beginning, God gave him a vision of of helping his family, of being someone important, someone that, that people went to for resources. He had this vision of being somebody important. And his brothers ended up selling him into slavery. He ended up getting falsely accused of rape, was thrown in prison. And with death always looking over his shoulder, it said that it, there was, a, I think it was 40 years that he was waiting. 40 years. And then all of a sudden, one day like that, it says that Pharaoh called him up to interpret a dream. And that same day, he put him in charge of all of Egypt. And his dream was fulfilled when his brothers didn't even recognize him and came, came to him asking to supply their needs when there was a famine in the land. David, when he was just a shepherd's boy, He had a word from God saying that he was going to be king of Israel. And he was anointed with oil and everything by the prophet of the time. And then the the current king of Israel had him uh, start sitting in his palace and start playing the harp while he ate. He had him at the king's table, started honoring him. And all of a sudden everything flipped and the king started throwing spears at him and went on this whole renegade trying to kill David. And even though he thought he was right about to enter into his promise, he entered into a life of pain instead. 
And he spent years and years and years wandering and waiting. Death always seeming to look over his shoulder. And all of a sudden, one day, just like that, he became king. We could go through all the different people of the Bible. And it seems like the moment that everything changed was just one day. One day. And I I wonder what it's like for these people of the Bible during all that time. Did they feel the same kind of pain that we did? Do they have the same kind of doubts that we do? And when you read through Psalms, which was mostly written by David, you realize that they did. He talks about, God, I am in agony. I don't know if I can make it any longer. You ever have those thoughts of hatred? David says, God, I hate my enemies. For they gave me injustice. In fact, I want you to kill them and their children too. (laughs) David knows what hatred is like. You're not the only one. And see, even though we all felt the same things, the only difference is that we could read about it for them and say, and then one day, but for us, we don't believe it to be true. We think that that's never going to happen. We allow our doubts to get the best of us. And we think that redemption is never going to come to our pain. This idea of breakthrough, it's a popular church word, breakthrough. And me never being raised in church, whenever people start saying breakthrough is coming at church, I never really knew what it meant. I just imagined Super Mario breaking through a brick. But breakthrough is, is a moment that you've been waiting and waiting for something to give, and it finally gives. Y'all dig what I'm saying? That's what breakthrough is. And what happens when you get that breakthrough is all of that pain is turned into a purpose. The Bible says that God does not plan destruction for you. That he has plans of good and not of evil for you. He doesn't send pain to you. But the Bible says that he will put a purpose to all that pain. It says that he will turn every weapon formed against you into something good and something useful. So all that pain that you've experienced during that waiting, that wandering, that not knowing, the Bible tells us that that there will be a purpose for it even though we can't see it now. And I think about when we finally enter into that breakthrough moment. I think that's what everybody here is waiting for is to feel that rest. That rest. And I want you guys to close your eyes for a minute. I want you to close your eyes for a moment. And I know that there are some of you here that even though you're able to, to strengthen yourself enough to put a smile on, to say hello, that there is a turmoil inside of your soul. It almost feels like a rage within yourself and you don't know what to do with it. And you just keep trying to press it down and act like it's not there. And it comes up randomly. Moments that you can't hold it back anymore. And I think one thing that you are hoping for in this idea of breakthrough is finally to just feel a rest over all of your soul. 
for your shoulders to finally feel rest once again, not carrying all that weight, but feeling rest, a moment of peace. And if, if you're here right now and you're ready to say, God, I, I just put this back onto you again. I stand again and say, God, I'm going to trust in you once again. I give it back to you because I can't carry it any longer. And I trust you. If you're ready to do that today, I want you to just lift your hands. Amen. I see your hands. And there to yourself, I want you to just have your mindset on God. I want you to have your mindset of Jesus. And I want you to get in your head that God cares more about that pain than you do. I want you to understand that the way that you see yourself through all this waiting and all this pain, all those doubts that you told yourself saying, maybe I'm just not good enough. Maybe I'm just not ever going to, this is never going to happen. That all those thoughts you've told yourself, that that's just, those are just things you made up during the waiting. The truth is, God is going to answer those prayers. God is going to see you through. And you're going to have a moment where you do have breakthrough, where you do have rest. Now, I want to ask one more thing. With every eye closed and head still bowed, if you're here today and maybe you need to make the first step of breakthrough in your life, and that's by putting your trust into Jesus Christ to really enter a rest where you put your trust in Him as your Lord and Savior. If that's you here today, I want you to raise your hand. Amen. And so if you raise your hand, I want you to pray with me this prayer. And if you've already put your trust in Him, let's do it, do it again as a reaffirmation of God being Lord of your life. Say, Lord Jesus... I believe you love me. I believe that you care about me. I believe that you see me, that you hear my prayers. I want you to be the Lord of my life and the Savior to my soul. I put my trust in you because there's nowhere else for me to go. I believe you died on the cross for my sins and the sins of the world. And I believe you rose from the dead. In Jesus' name, amen. I hope you enjoyed the message today. If you did, there's a couple things that you could do to connect. First is to subscribe to our show so that the most recent episode will always be in your feed, ready when you are. And second is if this ministry has impacted you and you'd like to help us continue to reach others, you can click the link in the description or visit our website, gravetop.com, and you can give now. I'll see you next time on the Gravetop Church Podcast.